I'm Alex Mosed, and welcome to Winner Take All, everyone. We had a little bit of an extended wait time there. I apologize. Um, but without further ado, let's talk GameStop. Funny story. I was actually supposed to go on Bloomberg uh, last evening and, and you know, talk about, uh, you know, it's earnings weeks. So earnings week here. You got Apple. You got um, lots of, you know, tech monopolies here releasing their earnings. Then last minute, they wanted to talk GameStop. And at the time, I didn't feel that uh, it was entirely appropriate for, for me to go on Bloomberg and talk about the GameStop situation. The, the area that I think is really relevant to platforms and, and you know, what we talk about on the show, which is basically the constant battle between large tech monopolies and traditional incumbents. And what's happening here with GameStop, if you haven't heard, or if there's just too much stuff going on, you can't really capture everything that's going on because every uh, hour there's a new development here. But basically, here's the thing. This all originated on a platform. This all started on a platform. And what platform is that? That platform is Reddit. Reddit, I've talked about many times on the show, how they have wielded the, the thought police stick, the censorship stick way too aggressively. And what we are seeing is, sure enough, this stuff started on Reddit. I'm going to talk about how it started. And they have actually already taken punitive action against the subreddit called Wall Street Bets uh, on Reddit, which is a lot of you know where, where this story begins. They have now, I guess, since reinstated that community with, you know, some, uh, you know, some, some, some guidance on what they need to do to, to, to play by the rules. I mean, these aren't rules. It's just they, they make them up as they go. So here's what happened. You have these investor communities. The media will call them retail investors. Okay. That's kind of a nice way of saying that these are individual investors. Uh, they don't have hedge fund money. The connotation that goes along with retail investor is also basically a negative connotation, which is that these people, you know, they're not really well informed. They're not very sophisticated. These are retail investors. Okay. Common thread here is that big tech needs to shield the sheep who don't really know what they're doing, who are misinformed, who can't think for themselves. And as a result of that, you know, the big tech needs to take progressive action um, to shield them from, you know, from these fools uh, from hurting themselves. And, and so, you know, we've seen that now with Reddit uh, uh, essentially taking the subreddit offline. Now they've reinstated it because they came under a lot of pressure for that, which is a completely ridiculous uh, decision, a wrong, the wrong decision. And the reason why they took it offline is because these retail investors on in the Wall Street Bets subreddit, they basically said, oh, wow, look at all the short activity on GameStop. And then they said that, you know, basically it was overextended. The shorts, you know, the short sellers had gotten too aggressive. They had, they had um, opened themselves up too much, right? They'd overextended themselves. So they spotted this as an opportunity to buy a lot of GameStop stock, and then that will drive up the price. And then if, particularly if you buy the stock in a certain way, so some, some places allow you to buy stock, but then that stock can be lent out to short sellers when they need to cover their positions. Short sellers 
particularly, you know, you have shorts and they have contracts, they expire at certain times, you need to cover your position. So you can buy stocks and hold them and not allow the stocks to be rented out, which helps the short sellers cover their positions to just rent your stock right at the close. Um, And then you can buy stocks that allow the renting. So if you buy your stocks in a specific way, it it is advantageous because it hurts the short sellers, right? So the, this community said, we're going to buy a bunch of GameStop. We're going to drive up the price. We're not going to allow the stocks, you know, the stock we're buying to be lent to the short sellers to cover their positions. And we are then going to force the short sellers to cover their position. And what does that mean? Short sellers need to now buy more GameStop stock to cover their positions. Now you force the short sellers to actually become a buyer of the stock, kind of like the thing they don't, you know, the exact opposite of what the short sellers are trying to do. And so this is what happens. And this is what has happened over the past couple of days here, where you went from, you know, a, a stock price at, you know, buck 45, shooting up to $350. Actually, at a peak here, going to 470, and now it's back down to 193. So it's still up from where it was by about 30, 35 percent at 195. What has also happened is you've now gotten Robinhood has halted trading of GameStop. Why would? Why would they do that? This is exactly what we're getting into today, where, you know, this GameStop situation has rapidly evolved into, uh, you know, now a a representative example of they, the elite, you know, the the powers that be um, taking advantage, actually, of the retail investors and Robinhood. And Reddit, Robinhood not being a platform, but still a large tech player, right, to let you trade stocks, synonymous with retail investors. And Reddit, you know, are trying to protect these completely unsophisticated um, retail investors, which actually, you know, uh, clearly landed a couple blows on these allegedly sophisticated hedge fund short sellers, right? So the unsophisticated, you know, retail buyers now are essentially you know uh being branded as these market manipulators when in reality and we know elon elon's tweeted on the subject here um short sellers historically have been the ones that are the market manipulators and are the bane of the existence of many uh, ceos that have publicly listed companies so i'm going to show you a couple interviews here and we can dive into it. One thing before I do that. So if you actually go and you browse, um, if you go and browse the actual Reddit community, there's a couple interesting posts here. You want to talk about um, you know, nefarious activity. Here's a post. Citadel reloaded their shorts before they told Robinhood to stop stri- trading GameStop. Okay, who's doing the market manipulation now? This one, this guy posted that there's actually now a class action lawsuit. And I looked, act- I looked this up. It's actually true. A class action lawsuit has already now been filed against Robinhood. Here it is. This is actually, um, uh, you, know, you know, the filing, uh, which was filed on January 28th against Robinhood. 
for shutting down the trading activity on GameStop. So imagine if you actually use, you know, use Robinhood and you own GameStop shares. Now you can't actually, you can't do anything with the shares. So Robinhood is, is clearly actually disadvantaging these retail investors even more by preventing them from selling shares if they have it or getting in or, or buying if, you know, if they want to buy. Um, so it's all done under the same veil, which, you know, and this is, I think, is the connected thread here, the same veil of big tech needs to protect the, the, the common individual in, in America or more broadly, the globe, right? People can't make decisions for themselves. They don't know what they're doing. They're inept. They're not sophisticated. These unsophisticated retail investors, we need to shield them from losing all their money. When in reality, it actually is entirely the other way around. And that is not just uh, an, an Alex Moazet opinion. It's actually echoed by um, some people that have a few more zeros uh, against their net worth. Like, where are you? Okay. Chamath. So let's, let's watch some of this uh, Chamath interview here on CNBC. I think that what you're seeing is... Um essentially a pushback against the establishment in a really important way. You have a lot of people, and I would encourage anybody who is dismissive of this thing to go into Wall Street Bets and actually just read the forums. And I think that you're going to see three kinds of posts. The first kind of content are a lot of people doing some incredible fundamental diligence on companies trying to think about long-term value. And in my opinion, many of them are doing as good and frankly, a better job than a lot of hedge fund analysts that I work with. That's number one. The second are a lot of people who believe that, you know, coming out of 2008, what happened was Wall Street took an enormous amount of risk and they left retail as the bag holder. And a lot of these kids were in grade school and high school when that happened. They lost their homes, their parents lost their jobs. And they've always wondered, like, why did those folks get bailed out for taking enormous amounts of risk and nobody helped and showed up to help my family? And then the third thing is a realization that instead of having idea dinners or, you know, quiet, whispered conversations amongst hedge funds in the Hamptons, these kids have the courage to do it transparently in a forum. And I'm not saying all of it is perfect by any means. But I think it takes um, an enormous amount of faith in the system to be that transparent, to talk about things, and then for each individual to make their own mind up and to do things, whether it's to buy and to sell. And I think that what it proves is this retail phenomenon is here to stay. There are 2.7 million people inside of Wall Street Bets. Um, I think that they are as important as any hedge fund or collection of hedge funds. And I think the most important thing is that in a world of zero interest rates and quantitative easing, I don't know how you can run a typical hedge fund strategy and make money anymore. Because, for example, when you looked at GameStop, you know, a normal person would say, how can you have 136% short interest? How can you be short 40% more shares than actually exist in the world? That overextension of the shorts, that is what this Wall Street Bets community was latching onto, right? They're saying, oh my God, the shorts are overextended. They've shorted more shares than exist for the company. So let's go buy a bunch of these shares and squeeze the short sellers. 
doesn't really sound like a bunch of unsophisticated retail investors to me that need protecting and can't think for themselves. I have a hard time believing. I mean, you suggested that there's, you know, a good amount of fundamental research going on underneath the GameStop Reddit situation. Do, do you truly believe that, that there's actual you fundamental know, I, research? I, not to yeah, disparage I, in any way that the people who are actually making these you, trades, you, but you this are. seems to be. He says not to disparage the people that are making the trades, but he's literally doing, he's literally disparaging them, right? It's saying, well, 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 not to disparage you and say that you don't know how to do fundamental research, but, but you can't do fundamental research. But well, well, I'm not trying to disparage you, but I actually am disparaging you. There's momentum in traditional hedge funds and how they move stocks as well. But it's really disparaging if you, the starting position is these guys can't do the same quality of research as an analyst in a fund. That's exactly the position that the media, that Reddit, that Robinhood is not only portraying, but acting upon. Retail investors, people in the Wall Street Bets community, the people that buy and sell stocks on, on Robinhood, they can't do their own research. They, don't, they can't do the same fundamental analysis that hedge fund analysts can do. And we need to protect them because if we don't, they're going to harm themselves and others. The reality is there are fundamental momentum investors in the market that are organized capital, i.e. hedge funds, and disorganized, loosely affiliated capital, i.e. Wall Street bets. And I think what you're seeing is the push and pull of that. And the realization should be that if every person was forced to publish their fundamental research, it would be hard to distinguish the best version of research from Wall Street bets and the best version of research from a hedge fund. They don't have an edge. Love it. I mean, there, there's another 25 minutes of the interview. It's a great interview. But let me, let me shift to, you know, another, another uh, perspective on this from Davey Day Trader. What's his, uh, what is it? Uh, something global trading? I don't know. Whatever. Don't quote me. But Portnoy is the man here. Here's what he has to say. Okay, emergency press conference time. Um, there's a million things. This is like my eighth emergency press conference, 10 minutes. Wall Street bets, the Reddit thread, the Reddit page that largely responsible for the madness right now in the stock market with GameStop, AMC, Knock, and OK. Shut down. Shut down. That's uh, Nokia, AMC movie company. Okay. I don't know how it happened. But shut the suits. The people in the ivory towers got to Reddit. Reddit shuts them down. Are they doing anything illegal? No. Are they doing anything illegal? No. Are they playing within the rules? Yes. Is it just the fat cats and hedge funds don't like people, the everyday retail bro, with their money, even though they'll with your money? Yes. That's exactly what it is. But here's the thing. And I already, let's be clear. I let it ride. I have like over a million dollars in uh, AMC and Knock, getting getting hit a little bit right now since they take took out um, Wall Street bets. I'm being and I'm not saying it because I own it. I would buy more right now. I may buy more, even though I already get a shit ton. That's like how much I want to risk. But I know internet psychology. You can't stop the internet. I don't know what's going to happen with Wall Street bets. It should come back. You should be able to censor. What is just people saying, buy this stock, buy that stock. You shouldn't be able to do that. It's criminal. It's gross that they got rid of it. It just shows you who you, I, and everyone else is fighting against. The suits and the fat cats. But I know internet psychology. Also, 
Big tech. But yes, we're with you, Dave. I think tomorrow will be the biggest day we've seen yet for AMC, Knock, and GameStop. I think you're going to see a big you to whoever took that out. I would bet, well, I already bet. I got a million bucks on it. But I bet tomorrow they rise up and the stocks that you've been hearing about, AMC, GameStop, NLK, Knock, Nokia, I think they're going to explode. And it's going to be a big you that you can't stop this and it's going to make what they want a thousand percent worse. This now could go on forever. That's honestly how I feel. Well, you, you know, you, you can you can feel, you know, his energy there is very similar to the energy that was on this show. You know, over the past few weeks, as we have seen, right, just insane thought policing, tech censorship, um, you know, and, and, and we've talked about on the show, right? We're in information warfare. Uh, this is kind of information fascism that's going on. It's completely not okay. And unfortunately, this is nothing new. This has been going on for years. It is now the ante has just continued to be upped. And I think this is going to get worse. We are going to see censorship happen more and more and more and more. Um, it is now becoming more commonplace. Uh, where now you're seeing it just spill over into um, GameStop trading uh, because, you know, I don't know. You know, I, like, I don't even know what the what what Reddit or, you know, how what is the justification for this level of censorship? Right. There isn't even a good excuse. I'm sure someone has an excuse, but the excuse isn't good. It's not even close to good. And it's completely ridiculous. This is going to have ripple effects across, uh, you know, the trading community. And I'm sure much more to come on this. But again, this is just yet another story of uh, big tech platform censorship. The feigned kind of story that uh, people can't think for themselves as a mechanism to, uh, to regulate and censor. And just more of the same, unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> another favorite topic of ours is. Twitter. So what did Twitter do recently? Their stock jumped up because of this news, I guess. They bought a company called Review. Basically, you know, it's for people that have businesses where they, where they blog, they have a newsletter. And it, Substack is really the leader in the space. Substack has raised a little over $20 million. Review, I think, has just raised a few hundred thousand dollars. So this was a tiny, tiny Kind of like an aqua hire. I mean, yes, they acquired review and the assets and the business and this stuff, but I mean, it is a it is a baby acquisition. While I like the direction strategically, it makes sense to me. Um, I've been a a critic of Twitter's inability to really uh, bolt on other complementary platform business models, and which you've obviously seen. Who are today the large tech monopolies: Facebook, Apple, Google, Amazon, and and Microsoft have platform conglomerate status. We talk about that a lot on the show. Twitter is not a, a monopoly. They're not a platform conglomerate. They have one platform business, which is not that big relative to uh, the other content and social media monopolies. Twitter really hasn't done much in terms of business model innovation. Um, they tried to do uh, their live streaming, their live video streaming platform, and then they kind of tabled that. That that shot up and then, you know, they kind of got rid of it. It's been mired in mediocrity. Uh, I've dinged the management team over there is really being uh, leaving a lot 
be desired. And you see that in the results. You see that in them having flat uh, growth in terms of engagement, Q3 of 2020 compared to the year prior, flat uh, user engagement. Not, some, not a good thing for a tech business that's supposed to be a growth company. Anyway, uh, what do I think of this acquisition? I think it's more of the same. It's mired in mediocrity. Why do you buy the small company that has raised a few hundred thousand dollars when the leader in the space, the one that has the most gravitas, the one that has the best creator um, network, the one that has you know, the best product capability, they've raised $20 million. Twitter's got a $35 billion market cap, something like that today. Even if you buy Substack for what? Uh, I mean, at most, let's say $150, $200 million, let's say, um, and you give them a nice earnout uh, structure and upside and all. Right? I mean, buy the leader. It's not a huge leader in the space, but they're clearly out in front of everyone else for a reason. And um, I mean, and if anything, you now just let someone else buy them instead of you. So you could go invest all this money. You already have to play catch up out of the gate. And then, well, what if, you know, I mean, a myriad of other content platform companies that are out there swoops up Substack, um, Substack being the leader. So, yeah, just in, I like the direction, but the execution uh, as we've seen with their other business model innovations, it's just, it's just uh, not good. So, uh, yeah. Am I surprised? No, because I don't think they have a good team there and they've made a bunch of other blunders. And I think their next quarter, we'll see how they try and sweep this stuff under the rug because, you know, technically they'll probably be reporting engagement from Q4 right? Which won't have seen really the huge exodus. But I think if they really are, are honest to shareholders in that quarterly update, they're going to have to disclose any material impact to the business that they see, even though they're not fully reporting on, say, January 2021 um, in this quarterly Q4 earnings update. But their business is damaged. And whether or not they care to update investors on that in their earnings release, Jack Dorsey has already hinted at the damage in some of his disclosures so far. There's real damage happening to that business, and they're really vulnerable. They don't have monopoly status. So closing out, last topic here is this interesting article that came, uh, came across, you know, talking about China and the U.S. faces a reckoning over trade disruptions in 2021. Supply, this is a supply chain law firm forecasts a rise in reshoring automation as businesses look to trim dependency on the manufacturing powerhouse. We have covered on the show about bringing manufacturing back to the United States and uh, that, that the way to do that is through automation. And how can technology, um, some marketplace business models, some platform business models, but all of them technology businesses, maybe not all platform businesses, but all of them technology businesses. How can technology businesses really help accelerate this resurgence to try and bring more manufacturing back to the United States. We covered uh, earlier in another recent episode that 75% of the new sellers on Amazon are Chinese sellers, right? These are Chinese factories. 75% of the new sellers on Amazon 
Chinese manufacturing, Chinese factories. We've got a lot of work to do to try and bring manufacturing back to the United States. So this, this article I thought was pretty interesting. And uh, there's a few takeaways in here that I wanted to highlight. Process of reestablishing import and export routes with China will be paused because of the new year. And it talks about uh, the Biden administration trying to, you know, figure out what these policies are going to be. And, and that ultimately is going to bring more uncertainty to supply chain as it relates in China. And uh, that only puts more pressure on U.S.-based manufacturers or, or importers uh, that, are, that are relying on supply chain in China to make some decisions here, right? Closing out here, I thought was, was pretty relevant. So these combined issues make it harder to predict Chinese policies in 2021 than in past years. U.S. companies remain dependent on the nation as the sole supplier of certain goods made nowhere else, such as technology components like LED, computer, and television screens. In response, some businesses are trying to shift production to other nations such as Taiwan and Vietnam in a China plus one strategy. Well, that makes sense, right? Cheap labor, how can I get cheap labor? Not in China, let me go to Vietnam. Uh, but experts say those smaller nations often lack sufficient logistics infrastructure such as deep water ports, rail networks, and warehouses. Oh, okay, interesting. They also simply don't have the manpower to replace China's vast labor force which include four times the U.S. population. Okay. Um, instead, a more likely solution would be for U.S. companies to replace their trade routes through reshoring the relocation of foreign supply chain facilities back to the U.S. And here's the key part: and increased investments in automation. So I think this is a big opportunity. We've talked about how I think we see this happening in medical supply manufacturing. There's a lot of emphasis. You got a lot of forces really driving huge urgency to bring more medical supply and medical device manufacturing back to the United States, particularly with uh, these more regulated products. You have electronic and, and non-electronic medical supplies and medical devices. So you tend to have higher margins and the, you know, that could make it a little bit easier both from an economic standpoint, but also a political standpoint, right? Medical, you want to have that back um, and, and have that be less of a dependency on China. So there's a lot of forces why I think automation in particularly that medical supply, medical device arena is going to be a, a big bright spot. But more broadly, right? And what this article is getting at is more broadly, it's a lot on the table, right? You know, a lot of things are on the table to say, if you can have strong startups, going to come from the tech startup community that's really going to drive this right in making material advancements in automation technology manufacturing automation technology that if we can see that capability there there is there is the demand the demand is there but we need the technology to meet uh, the needs of these companies right maybe net net the cost is still a little bit higher when you factor in it being manufactured in China and then shipping it across an ocean, not a small ocean, um, but still net, 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 even if it is a little bit higher, I still think you see a lot of U.S. manufacturers opt for a slightly higher option that is locally made with more stability, less uncertainty, and more goodwill from a marketing and a branding uh, position. We'll see if the tariffs and all of, you know, but, but, but then you kind of abstract yourself out of saying, well, well, what happens if we get back into it, another tariff war or this or that, right? All that kind of policy uncertainty, you just sidestep all of that. And so 
there is a price to pay. It's not a, um, you know, we're not talking a 20% margin price to pay um, that you would then reshore back to the United States. But I think there is some margin that companies would be willing to tack on if you have the rest of the automation there and the capability to do scaled manufacturing here uh, as opposed to there. So um, continuing thread here, we're going to be looking to highlight more of these companies and more of these verticals. We already did a little bit of a deep dive talking about the different areas where we see automation coming forward first or sooner than other areas. And uh, we will continue to, to dig deeper into that. That is it for us today on Winner Take All. Thank you very much for joining us and I will talk to you soon.